You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. With over 1.5 million downloads, this is the place to be for all your short-term rental knowledge as part of the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. This episode is brought to you by the kind sponsorship of Price Labs, who will help increase your revenue and occupancy with their dynamic pricing and revenue management tools. Price Labs have just launched their 2023 breakthrough release of the next generation of revenue management. This brand new cutting edge solution leverages hyper local data to optimize rates and increase your revenue like never before. Visit the link in the description of this episode for more information. Without further delay, here's your host, Heather Bayer. So today's guest is the founder of The Plum Guide, Doron Mehased, and we're going to be talking about the paradox of choice in travel, the science behind the perfect stay, and how AI is transforming the business. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information, and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you once again. You know, as a property manager for 20 years, we started in the business by taking on pretty much anything with four walls, a ceiling and some adequate plumbing. I mean, it really was a step up from camping. And that was the nature of the cottage rental market in Ontario back in the early 2000s. And I know this will resonate with with people in some areas of of the US and in England for sure, because, you know, a lot of us were doing the same thing and finding our owners in the same ways. And quibbling on quality was a really surefire way of losing an owner because they seemed to have a collective mantra, which was, it's just a cottage. What do they expect? Hospitality really didn't play much into it then. And actually, back then, the guests, who were known then as just renters, didn't expect a lot anyway. They were pretty happy with four walls, a ceiling and adequate plumbing. Of course, and very happily, times have changed and expectations are different. And managers accepting properties into their portfolios have much higher standards and criteria now. But there's still wide, wide variability in the overall market. And I know from my travels and reservations in short-term rentals, as well as hearing from others, that there's still many hosts who don't appear to think much about the guest experience at all. They don't pay a huge amount of attention to it. So when today's guest started his business, he was obsessed with defining the ideal criteria for a perfect stay, and thus the Plum Guide was born. And this obsession involves sending testers to thousands of homes and putting them through a really rigorous evaluation that resulted in only a tiny percentage getting accepted into their portfolio. Now AI has become intrinsic to their business. It's an exciting field and an interesting way of cutting costs while still achieving the high level of curation that they're known for. So let's go right on over to my conversation with Doron Mayasid to find out more.
Well, I'm super happy to have with me today Doron Mayesed. <laughs> I hope I got that right from the Plum Guide. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you, Doron. I did see you a couple of years ago at the Host 2019 conference, but it was very, very brief, and I'm sure you will not remember it at all. A lot of things have happened since then. <laughs> <laughs> They have. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yes, there's a, that that little thing called um, coronavirus came in very shortly after that conference. I swear, I got on that aeroplane after that conference, and I came home, and I had the most appalling virus for about three weeks, and I lost my sense of taste and smell. I actually think <laughs> I was ground zero for Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that was a lot of of water under the bridge. We're going to talk today about your company that you founded. Talking about founded and being a founder, something you just told me about your name. Can you just share that? My family name, my surname, Maya said, means founder uh, in in Hebrew. And Israelis will often think it's a joke or a kind of just thing that I write after my name. But but Maya said means a founder, and that's uh, genuinely my. I love name. that. I love that. So it's Doron, the founder, the founder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us about the origin of of the Plum Guide. How did you get into this business? Where did you start? So the origin of this business, you know, most origin ideas or most origin stories start with a negative experience. Uh, mine started with a particularly good one, and I used to be a hardcore Airbnb user. For every occasion, I would stay in people's homes, and we did a trip actually to Tel Aviv with some friends at the time. We booked a place. It was meant to be a casual trip. It was our third choice, you know, because the first two often they get rejected. They got rejected. Low expectations. We show up at this place, and it is incredible. Ten times better than the pictures, uh, overlooking the sea, made of old Jaffa stone. The owner would put fresh produce in the fridge every day, and I got talking talking to to the owner. And I'd worked with hoteliers before, and he was more inspiring the, than some of the best hoteliers I, I'd ever met. You know, I'd say to him stuff like, "You know, in the evenings we have great conversations in your living room," and he'd go, "Yeah, you know why? Because the secret to a good living room is cocooning." <laughs> and he's sort of right, you know, sit, seating environments that are cocooned are far more conducive to conversations. It's why people spend longer in restaurant booths than they do in chairs. It has a kind of cocooned environment. And, and that got me thinking, you know, what is this guy? Are there more of him laying in the depth of Airbnb and what was at the time home away? And, and, and if so, why can't I tell for them from the reviews? I'm, I'm an OCD researcher. I, I use spreadsheets to plan my holidays. <laughs> I should be able to, to tell. And so maybe a month after that, I took a week off and, and went to meet hosts in London, Berlin, and Paris, who I believed were these craftspeople. And at the end of that week, I, I decided that I, I, my calling was to make Plum happen. I believe that in the depth of these platforms lied these incredible experience makers who cared about every piece of furniture, the art, the choice of bedding, and they were really hard to identify. And so that was the vision of the business and the mission changed over time, but that was the, the, the spark that got us excited about doing it. I love that. I love that. In in, in the introduction, um, I'd mentioned that when I started in the business back in the early 2000s, it was the nature of cottage rental here in Ontario that as long as it had four walls, a ceiling and some indoor plumbing, it was going to be great. But then expectations were much, much lower then. 
You know, yeah. people were actually happy to have four walls, a ceiling and some indoor plumbing. And if they yeah. got a TV with rabbit ears, then they were ecstatic. But we know, I mean, we know how much expectations have changed. Yeah, um, and they continue to rise. Yeah, so I'm going to cover that in a minute. But I just, you know, there's a lot of people talking about luxury now. Everybody has a luxury rental site. So what makes the Plum Guy different? But having said that, before that, can you just tell me why you called it the Plum Guide? Well, originally we wanted to call it Plum and, you know, it has multiple connotations. You know, a Plum job is a way of saying that something is done very well. A Plum in, let's call it old school architecture, is, is this piece of metal that you hang from a string. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of telling you whether something is straight, a bit like a, an old school spirit level. And so this idea of like perfection and making sure that it, you know, makes sense and so on. But then we couldn't acquire plum.com. So we <laughs> went for, you know, the guide of the best homes uh, in any city. That was the kind of idea. I love that because I hadn't thought about plum, P-L-U-M-B, yeah. when I was thinking about that. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew what to, what plum actually meant in, in, in terms of, of a product. So that, that's great. So let's go back to that question. What makes you different from other luxury rental sites? Because there's a lot of them appearing now. Yeah, look, so our, I mean, our North Star, first of all, and I'll, before I answer your question, our North Star is our, is our guest. We think of our target market as the discerning traveler. We are very clear about who that is. I mean, they tend to be urban dwellers living in London, New York, LA, Rome, Milan, big into design, you know, relatively well off. And our obsession is to build the ultimate booking experience they experience for that group. So at the core, that's what we're up to. On a very practical level today, there are really three things we obsess about uh, for this group. And I think what make Plum different and really, they are the three pain points we see for that group, which is, you know, identifying the good quality stuff, consistent quality, service, and better matching with the right home. So on, on the quality front, what makes us different is that we vet every home that comes on the Plum platform. They have to pass 150 criteria to get onto the site. If you book it, you know the beds will always be great. There will always be properly stocked kitchens. They will, the rooms will be quiet you know, very obsessive criteria around that. The second thing that makes us different is we have, you can reach a a customer service help at the touch of a button. Mm -hmm. We have two teams, one that helps you to book a home and choose a home. And one that helps you if anything goes wrong during your stay and you can't get hold of someone from the homeowner or you're not happy with the results you're getting. These teams are all based in London, New York, and Hong Kong. We're all sat in the same space they really care about the experience. Um, and, and the third thing that makes them different is we obsess about managing expectations or being sort of radically transparent. So I'll give you one example. We, we have a, a section on our listings called the home truths and we list everything that's bad about the home. So you will find a 4 million pound apartment uh, or dollar apartment in Paris. And it will say the floorboards are creaky the fourth bedroom is windowless, you know, the, you know and, and it's like a laundry list. People are often shocked when they look at it and they go, gosh, but, you know, so we're always looking for ways of, of doing that. So what really makes us different, the most important is that we vet every home. We reject 96% roughly of homes we look at. And so, you know, as a customer that if you book Plum, it's one of the best in the region and that it meets all the basic criteria. Yeah, a question that, because you sort of fall between conventional property manager and listing site, and you're sort of somewhere in the middle. Would you say that's about right? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, look, I think the, the, the kind of high-end property manager and us, we're trying to solve a very similar problem, which is high-quality experiences in a tricky space. And the most traditional way of solving that problem is kind of vertical integration, manage the home, welcome the guests, mm-hmm. own the sheets. Our view of it is we're taking a different approach. We believe we can deliver as good, sometimes substantially better experience by using curation, OCD curation, if you like, rather than vertical integration. So by being exceptionally strict on what is in or out. And by the way, we'll often work with some of our partners who are exceptional experience makers. Every home is amazing, but we'll still only take 40% of their homes. And we can afford to do that. It's our luxury. It's very tough if you're trying to have a collection in Milan to reject so many homes because you need density and so on and so forth. So, so that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're solving a different, a similar challenge in a different way. Yeah. How do you resolve the human factor? And that, that's definitely something that, you know, it came to my mind when I was looking through the plum guide and, and yes, you know, you can curate this, the, the art, the comfort, the bedding, but what about the, people, the ones that are delivering the hospitality, those owners? Because I know after 20 years and over 20 years, we probably managed six, 700 properties over that time and six or 700 different owners. And there were times when we get the most amazing home, but the owner just did not match up to it. And it wasn't until we'd had it for a short while that we realized that, yeah, we we hadn't evaluated that owner as best we could. How do you do that? Well, look, it's changed over time. In the early days, and it can still form a core part of it, you know, a a core element was someone walking into the house and two things. One is noticing, and we train our team in noticing the small details. And this maybe sounds crazy, but, but, but a very niche example is, I think that by looking at a bookshelf in a house, you have a pretty good stab at telling how thoughtful and considerate and attentive uh, an owner or a welcomer might be. So training the team to notice these things and also interviewing, you know, asking the host in their case, why do you do this? What do you enjoy the most? What do you find tricky and looking for passion? And of course, having perfected that and spent so long on it, we still get it wrong. So so if you look at our churn of supplies, so the people who leave Plum every year, more than half of that is us letting go of people. Mm-hmm. And if you have two scores on Plum, on a customer feedback form that are six or under, the home be- gets removed. No ifs, no buts. So, so we often frustrated to remove a beautiful home. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the reason why it happens is because it's not foolproof. You know, we still get it wrong and it's not a perfect, uh, a perfect thing. Yeah, I, I appreciate your transparency on that because, uh, yeah, it was. I, I always remember taking on this most beautiful architect-designed home, and and it was the architects that owned it. You know, it was their home, and they were so proud of this home, and it was it was just perfect in every way. It was our flagship property, and they were the worst owners we ever. <laughs> <laughs> Did they interact with the guests? They interacted way too much with the guests, yes. I mean, they, they would drop in to fix a tap or fix something that they felt was, was not quite right and then stay for lunch. And then we'd get a call from the uh, guests saying, they're still here. Do it, should I be inviting them to dinner as well? Um, I mean, look, it's a, it's a familiar problem, actually, because it's a fine line between being... Mm-hmm 
a great host and, and being someone who kind of blurs that boundary. And I think we've gotten a lot braver over the years to say it doesn't matter how much of a masterpiece it is. Yes. And, and there's also something, you know, if you read our listings, you know, we produce the listing. And so when you read the home truths, it's a very powerful way for us to manage expectations. So you'll read a home that'll say something like, we almost didn't accept this home because the design wasn't very soulful. But for this part of town, at this mm-hmm. price, it is one of the best you will find. It's very hard to say, we almost didn't accept this home because the owner is very intrusive. So you have to make a more difficult decision, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's a tough one. Let's go back to the experience that people are, are having across the board in the short-term rental industry, in, well, in the short-term rental market, because despite all the five stars that you see on Airbnb, the 4.8, 4.9 and five stars, people are still having disappointments. And I know from you know, personal experience that the last five properties I stayed in were disappointing. Why do you feel so many travellers are disappointed in their choice of accommodation? Let me tackle this from a couple of angles. <laughs> First of all, the, the bit that, that, that we can't control, I, there's, there's a great talk you've probably seen it in a book by Alain de Bouton on travel. And, you know, he talks about this thing where we go on holiday, we idealize what's going to happen. So we think of ourselves going away and suddenly everything disappears. We're spontaneous again. We're great lovers. We connect with our children. And, and then we're sat on the plane and we forget this very annoying fact that, you know, we are coming with us. So our neuroses and our madness and our, is all showing up and that creates frustration. I think that happens in travel. I think tra- you project so much fantasy into it and there's the reality of frustrations of life. So that's, I think that's something that you can do some stuff about, but it's always there. Expectations are high in travel. But on a very practical level, I see two big problems. I think the review system is broken. You know, 95% of homes on Airbnb have four and a half stars or more. In my mind, reviews are very effective at getting rid of the bad, but terrible at surfacing the exceptional. Mm-hmm. In the early days of Plum, I went out and I, I tried the number one restaurant in, I can't remember now, seven or eight neighborhoods in London on TripAdvisor. And none of them was exceptional. They, they were all incredible value. In all of them, when the food arrived, I was like, wow, I get this much food for my money. But but, but I, I don't think that the wisdom of crowds, the averages, surfaces the exceptional. There's very, you know, if, if 95% of four and a half stars or more, where are you differentiating here? So I, I don't think it works. And the second thing is, I don't think the system for matching guests with the right home for them is very strong. You know, in a typical marketplace, the owner writes the listing. The owner says, this is great for families, for, for people who want to, you know, mm-hmm. for young people. It's just great. And the reality is that's not what it's like. And, you, and, and I think the, the effort into turning off people who won't have a good time there is, is poor. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer, you know, I think when we look at how, how customers used to be helped to make good decisions, it went from a kind of complete deferral to authority. So, you know, I mean, the old and like what the church recommended or like, you know, and the, but then it was like the Michelin Guide, which are exceptional experts telling you what is a good restaurant. And it just kind of, we went completely the other way. It's the wisdom of crowds. The authority knows nothing. And I think there's a kind of a return somewhere in the middle where you use a mix of experts who bet the home who are armed by consumer intelligence. That's kind of what I I see the future of that space. Yeah, exactly. Let's continue on this guest review theme because you don't have any reviews on the Plum Guide. Is that right? 
That's right. So we don't have any public reviews. There's two reasons for that. The first and most important one is when we investigated why in all these platforms, 95% of homes, 90%, they all have a similar stat or four and a half stars or more. One of the biggest reasons we got back is that there is a real sense of reciprocity from the reviewer. They're not reviewing a big corporate brand often. They are reviewing you know, a small company. They meet the person who greets them. You know, it's happened to me. It's happened to me in the earlier days where I booked a place, you know, the, the, the person didn't show up for four hours and we waited around and then she showed up and they, she had some issue with her child and it was like, I'm not going to give this person a bad review. And so we ask customers for feedback. We tell them that it, it won't be shared directly with the owner until it's anonymized with a, a bunch more. And we ask them, tell us three things you loved about the home, three things you didn't like about the home. Which customer would like staying here? Which kind of customer would hate staying here? And that gives us such powerful, rich data to be able to tell the other guests the home truths, put off people who might not like it. And also people are a lot more honest. So that's really the main reason. The secondary reason is that we have this idea that, that people, it's an abusive relationship we have with reviews. You know, People spend hours reading them, but, but no one enjoys it. <laughs> And you're kind of like, oh, maybe the next one will decipher something. And, and if we could free people from that and say, look, if it's got the plum mark, you know it is one of the best you'll get for your money. Here's everything that's negative about the place. That's the vision. I, I don't think we've succeeded in that yet. I think the, the kind of the, the use of reviews is so ingrained mm-hmm. that every time we speak to customers, they ask for reviews. So it's always a debate. See, I remember the time before reviews, before Flipkey develop this live review system. And I remember us all going, oh my gosh, you know, we can't have this. We can't have a live (laughs) review and then look at it today. But I love the idea of of home truths. You don't have any negative reviews, but you're upfront with exactly what somebody might say if they passed a negative opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it's one of my favorite places on Plum in London is in Shoreditch. It's down the road from our office. It's in my eyes, one of the most incredible warehouses, a, a warehouse conversion. My parents would think it's, a, it's abhorrent, you know? And they are Plum customers as well. And so I think there's, a, it, it really, even if you select the best homes, helping people understand that and see that quickly, that this is not for you, is mm-hmm. one of the keys to having a good experience. So you're talking about matchmaking and you've got this, this uh, staff who actually matchmake. And so you wanting to speak with potential guests and find out what their expectations are, what their wants, needs, desires, dreams are. And you've got staff who actually do that. that that's got to be time consuming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, for what it's, again, our North Star is this audience. We keep hearing from them how nice it is to just download their needs onto someone and that's someone through the heavy lifting. You know, the origins of that is when we started Plum, I was vehemently against doing this. <laughs> we're like, we're a tech company. And in the end, you know, the economics are far better for a customer who speaks to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, between three and four X is our conversion rate, which means it, it cuts what we have to pay Google for a customer by $100, $150, and it costs us less than $100, $150 to service the guest. And, and I think advertising on, on especially, which is only a, a slither of our revenue, but especially on performance marketing channels has become so expensive that something like this is more cost effective and the customers like it more. It's a kind of win-win. If our price point, though, was, you know, 
the Verbo Airbnb price point. I don't know that we could do that, but but we're also not, you know, our average, you know, we're very open with it. Our average kind of order value is four, four and a half thousand dollars, US dollars. So it's not some kind of, you know, mm-hmm. crazy amount that makes it work. We've talked about rich data and collecting rich data and, and certainly data from reviews is very rich. And, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot when we're looking about, how, you know, how to design a, cust- a, a guest experience. How does AI play into all this? Let's, let's move on over to this whole new world for, for many people of AI. How is it playing a role, not only in, in your home acquisition strategy, but also in developing the guest experience? Okay, so, so maybe I'll give you a little bit of background of how we, we started Plum and, and, and what happened. So when we started the business, the way we'd select a home is by sending, a, we call them home critics, into the home. They are hospitality trained people. They tend to work for hotels. They show up at the home with an iPad app. They collect 500 data points about the home. They measure the decibel levels in every room. They measure the, the shower pressure, the Wi-Fi speed. They interview the host. And then they give it a pass or fail mark with, with commentary. We arrived, we go to six locations, incredible MPS, you know, super fans recommending us when to go. Okay, now we want to scale this into every town, city or village and realize just how prohibitively expensive it was going to be. Even though we don't manage the home, even though, you know, just that building that the army of critics globally. So we went on a mission of really automating as much of that process as possible. And I want to say the initial ones, almost by coincidence, the things that made huge leaps in, in how fast we can automate had to do with using AI, either kind of machine learning or generative AI in key parts of the process and, and replacing what used to be a human element. So I can give you a, a couple of examples. Design really matters to Plum. We have this design Bible, which is like an 100-page book on what, and I, can, and I can pop over and show you one, but, but what makes a Plum design home. And someone would manually go listing by listing digitally and say, this is plum design, this is not, before we send the tester through. We built a model that is able to do that with 97% match rate with our creative director. So if you now gave 100 homes to our AI and 100 homes to our creative director, they would be 97% aligned on which homes are plum quality and which aren't. And, And the reason I like that is because in the typical view, this is a creative endeavor, you know, the design element. And the way, you know, I can only explain partially how it works. I mean, what happens is that we, we, we took a model, we fed it millions of homes that we, have, that we had manually vetted as pass or failed and said, try to learn the patterns that you notice here. And now here's 100 homes, do the same again. And we iterated over time till it got to that, to that level. I can explain how. But, it's, but we don't fully understand how it's doing it, by the way. We don't, we don't understand what the machine is learning, that it's identified these patterns or those patterns. So that's one example. Yes, we'll have another one. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I mean, look at the other end of the spectrum. So, so, so there's the AI on the quality element. Maybe I'll talk about the end of it and happy to talk about the middle as well. But at the end of that, you know, as I was saying, our critics would write a critical assessment of the home. Mm-hmm. Today, we, we take all that data we ingested about the home and we've built a model that writes the listing for us, including if you go on our listings, you will see the home truths, you will see the description about the home. You will see the highlights where we say what we think is great about the home. It is built on ChatGBT and it ingests all the data that we have about the home to write it. Our, our copywriters still have a role, so they will spend 10 to 15 minutes per listing editing it. It's, it's not 
strong enough to be allowed to just run. But the, but the listings convert better and have higher NPS, the ones that have had AI produce the first draft of the listing. Could you just explain NPS, please, for, for those who, who would be asking? NPS is a, is a net, stands for Net Promoter Score. It's a, it's a question which is where you ask customers how likely you are to recommend a brand on a 1 to 10 scale. And I must confess that back in the day, I actually read the book of the guy who came up with it, which was pretty dull, but, but, but useful. And, and there's this guy called Frederick Reicheld, and he studied what questions you can ask customer correlate with future revenue growth. Mm-hmm. And he identified that this question, how people answered that correlated with how much the brand was going to grow three years after that. And it became the kind of the accepted most important question to ask customers about how satisfied they are. That's great. I'm going to add MP- MPS to my list of um, acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Took, it, took me, it took me a long time to, uh, to, to actually pluck up the courage to ask somebody what OTA meant years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried to have little uh, acronyms in, in at Plum and I ended up telling people not to have them so interestingly I'm using them as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a short break just now to hear about our sponsor, Price Labs, directly from one of their clients. We're going to be right back with more from this great interview in just a few moments. So I'm Dolly Duran, and I'm very much involved in the short-term rental space by being a community leader for Airbnb, as well as, you know, uh, a Superhost ambassador helping others. I did all, you know, my own research when it came to pricing. Um, I also know that I was leaving money on the table because, you know, I would pick one price and that was the price and that was it, you know? And then of course, you know, Airbnb kind of has their own tool, but I knew from the beginning that that was not very good. So I never relied on it so much. Um, Price Labs has helped me and one of the things I love about it, like if I, if you were to ask me, what do you like so much about price lots? Like, what is it? What is the the tea, if you will, is that the price is constantly fluctuating. It's like all of that research that I was doing, right. To pick one price. It's on a daily basis. Like that price is always moving. It's always changing. And I don't have to lift a finger. So, you know, if someone is booking my place, any of my places three months out, well, they're blocking my calendar three months out. So they're going to pay a premium, right? And that's okay because that's how you maximize revenue. But if my space is free now, right? There's no one there. There's no sense in me charging what's being charged three months from now. That traveler who's looking now, they're looking for the absolute best price. And that's what dynamic pricing has allowed, right? Because now I get a lot of last-minute bookings. I used to never get last-minute bookings. All of my bookings used to be, you know, at least a month out in advance. I never got anything within two weeks. And now I see that that has increased. Thank you so much for that testimonial. It was great to hear how Price Labs is working so practically with their clients to help them achieve success. So let's go on right back now to our interview. Going back to homeowners, because I, you know, this this was my thing, you know, 
trying to get the homeowners that were going to be the best for our company. Are you able to use AI in evaluating the homeowners that come along with the properties? Yes, but indirectly. So what happens in effect is if you look at the evaluating the quality of the home and the owner, the way that works is we've trained the model by going, here's physical tests that we've done where we've gone into the home, we've interviewed the owner. Here's the data on that, on those 50,000 homes, let's say. And on those 50,000 homes, here's every digital signal we can find about those homes. So all the photography, every review ever written, the number of Instagram followers, how quickly they respond to things. Now, can you identify from all these digital points uh, markers that tell us how likely they are to pass the test? And then we do it on a new collection of homes to teach, to see if it can identify those things. And we occasionally send people into it to, to train the model, to say, you were right here, you were wrong here, you were right here, you were wrong here. So what the model is able to tell us today with pretty decent accuracy is do we think the service standards are plum quality? Mm -hmm. What it cannot tell us is, mm, yes, but look out for one, two, three, or yes or no, but if the, if the owner is willing to get a management company to manage it, they are fantastic, which we used to have that nuance. But it, it amazes me that it's not, it's not quite fully there yet, but the, the AI today that we build is almost as effective at telling the quality of a home as someone who has worked at the Four Seasons who shows up for three hours to vet a home. Almost. It's not there, but it's getting closer and closer and closer with time. And we're at the foothills of this journey. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine where two, three years down the line we will be in terms of that accuracy. I'm sure you have imagined where you're going to be two or three years down the line. What, what do you see as the future for this industry as a whole with AI? I mean, I don't know that I have the most original stuff to say. Where, I, where the things that I'm most excited about is obviously the level of curation being incredible and accurate and, and being able to tell very quickly whether a home is a good quality or not and surface what's not great about it. And the second thing is matching people. I mean, the bits that we are really excited about, we're starting to play with, is, is the ability to have a conversation with a computer. So I think, I think this idea of saying... We will look back very soon and say, oh, putting dates and number of bedrooms will look so archaic. Because really what, you're, what you want to say is we're looking to go, maybe, you know, we're looking to go to Mallorca. You know, I really need, I want a, my own quiet space. I want, you know, the kids are going to leave home soon. So I want them to want to stay in the house. <laughs> I don't want them to go partying all the time. I want it to be a fun place. They're going to bring their friends. We need entertainment. We want to host every people. We want to cook with chef. And being able to write these long descriptions and being like, yep, here's the three homes that you can do exactly that. Mm -hmm. And the course, if you have very good data about the homes, I think, I think that's coming pretty soon if the data is large and consistent between the homes. So I'm very excited about being able to do that. And then those are the big ones. Then you see all sorts of fun stuff. I mean, there's... The team of Google Labs is just continuously releasing iterations of, uh, they have this, this, I'm happy to send it to you, this kind of models where they're taking static images of a home and through AI, pacing them together to create a fly-through of the home. And, and it looks amazing. I mean, you get a real sense of a home very quickly as if you're in it, but you haven't had to send a drone into the home or, you know, an expensive device. So there's lots of kind of stuff around the edges like that. But what I'm really excited about is curation and 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 better expectation management, better better matching between guest and home. Oh, yeah. Looking looking back on on the times that 
I was going out and, and seeing 300 homes a year and taking a Matterport camera <laughs> each one exactly. taking two hours to do all the staging and the photos right the way through that, the house. That sounds, yeah. I mean, I did sell my company last year, but uh, you know, part of me, part of me misses it. Not a lot actually, but <laughs> it's, it's sort of missing. What I'm missing is, is what's to come. And, you know, how much different it will be as we yeah. head into the not so dif- distant future. And you were talking about people, you know, writing down what they want, but they're going to be able to just speak it, aren't they? The voice, the voice desire for my next vacation. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's coming. For it to be as good as a local area expert is harder. Mm-hmm. You can hear a matchmaker sometimes ask guests, you know, they'll have two people in on a Zoom apart, you know, their partners and or husband and wife or whatever, and they'll ask them, okay, tell me about your dream day. What does that look like? And they'll ask the other one, tell me about your dream day. To get to a position where a machine is doing that as as <laughs> soulfully as another human and make you feel as good about it in the end as a human is, is still a while away. But in some ways, the machine will do some of those things better pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. I want to step back again, once again, to reviews, because I read a quote of yours when you said if reviews killed the terrible experience ai will kill the mediocre one can you tell us a bit more about the power of ai to spot that mediocrity um it really comes from the observation that i mentioned before which is here we are almost to our surprise having a machine ingesting a bunch of digital signals about a home so the listing the reviews all of the 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 photography that everything we can see about it the response rate and it is somehow able to do almost as accurate a decision as some as an expert in the home, almost. And so it does make you think, gosh, like it, it really is effective at, at, at spotting the exceptional. We've trained it to do that. Someone else would train it to do. And don't forget, we have a very specific definition of exceptional, whether discerning, traveler, urban dweller, loves. So someone else could train it for something else. But if it can do that, then I suspect tools will develop across the board to help people do that. And it will really surface what's fantastic. I have no doubt that, look, at most marketplaces design the review system to put positive reviews because they want to help the whole market go up. But the flip side of that is they find it hard to help the customer decide. Mm-hmm. These tools will make it easier for people, I think, to help the customer decide. So so I think it will kill the mediocre experience. Well, that's, that is great. So... This has been a great conversation. I just want to uh, to finish off by voicing the question that I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, are thinking at the moment. So I wonder if my home's eligible for, for the Plum Guide. So we're sort of going back a little bit and I'm going to ask you to explain some of the design standards and expectations that you have. You know, I, I don't want them sitting there thinking, oh no, you know, I'm not going to achieve this standard, but without knowing some of them, it you know, this, this might sort of head them in your direction. So I'll say a couple of things. First of all, just to be aware. So when we open a market, our goal is to, to vet every home in that market and accept roughly the top 3 to 4% of homes at three price points, at a medium, high, and luxury price point. We have a big collection that's an, at a more affordable scale because our customers book in these three price points. So not everything looks like an architectural masterpiece. You know, it has to be the best in that category for sure, but, but I would mention on that. In terms, of, in, in terms of what the design specifics are, at what level do I answer that question? I mean, it can get like very granular in terms of, you know, take the living room. For us, it's really important that if a home is for eight people, there's an 
an eight-person social space where eight people can sit and connect. The furniture design, the lighting has to look like it all fits together and sits together. It gets very specific, but but I would summarize it really by just saying it's it's thoughtful design. Mm-hmm. If you look at your, if you have spent time thinking, oh, how do I want this to look? How do I want this to feel? If you found yourself opening and closing the front door and moving the vase a bit to the left, or because you feel like that makes a nicer experience, your home is probably plum. Mm-hmm. And if unsure, you go to plumguy.com uh, at the become a host on the top right hand corner. You can submit your house in. 60 seconds or your collection of homes depends if you're on a channel manager and very quickly we will come back with a confirmed yes no or yes but just these homes so if in doubt give it a go well i'll I'll put a link to the plum guide on the show notes for anybody who wants to go take a look and i think you should um doran i see canada is missing (laughs) our coo is canadian as well (laughs) uh uh, who's uh, not happy about it uh yes i mean we we're now Look, we were expanding very slowly until we alighted on this AI thing. We're now really speeding that up. We're very focused on Europe, but we are not very far away from scaling North America. Canada is a big guest market for us. The U.S. is our biggest guest market, but we're heading there. Oh, for sure. Let me know when you do. I know a lot of properties. We have to speak to you, actually. I mean, we do. We do. We also for us, it's choosing the right neighborhoods to get homes in, and so we'll we'll work with local experts to help us understand the market. And so, if you're happy to take our call, we'd be, I'd be. I'd love to give you a call when the time comes. Well, I I think that you know this this part of the world is is pretty much undiscovered, except by quite a large number of celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, it's coming to the rest of us very soon. Yes, indeed. Is there anything else you, you'd like to add? Anything you feel we haven't covered here? No, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I don't think I've got anything else. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it has. It has been a pleasure. And it's, it's, it's not just the Plum Guide itself, but it's, it's the way that you're integrating AI that I find particularly interesting. Because as I said at the very outset, you know, I'm still talking to people who say, oh, yes, that chat GPT thing, I really should take a look at it. <laughs> oh, my, you have not even looked at it yet. I mean, I could, I've always considered myself an early adopter and I was on it from day one. Yeah. But there are those who who've perhaps thinking it's, you know, it, it's a passing a passing phase and uh, won't be of any use to them. Um, as, as your parting shot, what would you say to the people who are perhaps sitting on the fence about this new thing? <laughs> you know, honestly, I mean, it really depends if it's, I mean, what I'd say to everyone is have a play because it's really easy and you can go on and you can have a play. And, and if you're part of an organization and you've not done anything in it, ask if and you have some engineering or data science resource, Take any kid who's into it and say, do you want to start playing for our company? You'll be amazed what they can do. And if something starts to take off, you can then expand it. So I just say have a play. But, but I would say as well, like I think if you are in the craft of hospitality, I don't know that it's do- – and what I mean by that is welcoming the guests, preparing the home, thinking about your standard operating procedures. I don't think that it's the kind of thing that is going to you know, make or break your business actually at all. I think tools will come that you can buy and plug in and that's okay. You don't need to be the pioneer of it because what's there is your craft, which is in the end, really the only thing that matters. You know, we're sort of the less important ones on the top. It's the, it's the, do you have a beautiful space and make people feel amazing in it? Uh, and that's not very much to do with AI, I would say. Absolutely. And that, that, that's a great point to end on. You have a beautiful space and it makes people feel amazing. That's what this business should always be about. 
Exactly. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me, Heather. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Doran. That was such a great conversation. He has so much energy and just enthusiasm for this business and enthusiasm for making the perfect stay for the guest as perfect as possible. And I was pretty inspired by that. So I hope you're inspired too, to uh, learn a little bit more about the Plum Guide, to go to the website. And if you feel that your property matches up to their criteria and to some of their design standards, then, then why don't you go ahead and list with them or, or certainly <laughs> go ahead and submit your property for listing with them. You know, go through the properties that's, that are on the Plum Guide website because I've, I've done that and there's some amazing, amazing places. But, you know, there are some that are, they're still luxurious, but a little bit more modest, but they still meet all these criteria. And I do love this section on every one, which is called the Home Truths. If I was back in my company, I think we would be doing that as well because it is, there's such a transparency there. You know, rather than leaving it to a guest to post a review that says this was a fantastic property and I'm giving it five stars, but as they sometimes do, you know, but the road was very steep getting up to the, the house and we couldn't really do much walking because we had to navigate this road. If you had that in the listing, then your guests aren't going to complain about it because it's already there. Although some will, of course, because some don't read the listing, as we know. But anyway, it was just an idea. I thought that was uh, that is a really great concept that they have engaged there. So that's it for another week. I am leaving for Alabama at the weekend, heading off, takes three, four days to travel down to Alabama and I will then be in my winter home for the next five months, which I, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Always like being down there. I've got a lot of people I know in that area, so I want to catch up with them. If you're listening, if you are in Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, around the Fort Morgan area, you at any point you want to connect, get together, have a coffee, just let me know. You know, I'm I'm in a state park campground for five months. I'm always very happy to get out and meet people and and spend some time immersed in what I love, which is this industry. So uh, let me know. You can connect with me at Heather at vacationrentalformula.com at any time. Thank you as ever for listening. I will be with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Price Labs, and their dynamic pricing and revenue management tools. Click the link in the description of this episode for more information. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you, and I look forward to being with you again next week.